ready to roll. Okay, we're at the end of chapter 4 today. And I'm going to briefly recap so everybody's up to date. You know, we haven't been studying the Megillah for a very long time, right? Coming back to where we left off. So there's a big decree, and news of the decree spreads very, very quickly. Mordechai is in the know, and he begins to try to figure out a plan of action. The first thing he does is go to the queen, and Esther is very disturbed when she sees that Mordechai is wearing sackcloth and ashes. She sends a messenger. We talked a lot about that messenger. Ultimately, that messenger, according to many opinions, was Daniel's eliminated. Haman sees something's going on and he has him assassinated. And Mordechai sends a very sharp message to Esther after she says, I, I can't. Can't? Can't go to Achashverosh. I, I go to Achashverosh. I'm going to be killed. He hasn't called for, for a very long time. And it's, uh, this, is, this is just not going to work. So Mordechai sends a very sharp message back. He says to her that if you don't go, we'll be fine. The Jewish people are going to be saved. This is not about, this is not about the Jewish people. Ultimately, it's about you. If you will go, then you will fulfill your destiny. Who knows, he says, if this is the only reason you became queen. And he says to her, in the end, you won't be saved anyway. In the end, if all the Jewish people go, you're going to go too. And anyway, we talked about this in great length in a previous class. And he sends her a very, very sharp message. I, just, I wanted to um, maybe augment what we talked about in the previous classes, just as a little kind of uh, introduction to today's class. There's a, a beautiful story told that the Friedrich Rebbe once told his father, we call the Rebbe Rashab. He said to him, he did a favor for somebody. And the Rebbe Rashab said to him, you're making a big mistake. You didn't do a favor for somebody, you did a favor for yourself. Because as the Baal Shem Tov teaches, that a Neshama comes down to this world for 70 or 80 years just to do a favor for another. So if you do a favor for another, it's not a favor for them, it's a favor for you. You're fulfilling your purpose, your destiny, your mission. Don't, don't look at it as if, as if you have done something. And in fact, he translated in according to the words of the Megillah, Mordechai said Im, that uh, if you will be silent at this time, so relief and salvation will come to the Jewish people from somewhere else. But who knows? Who, who can be sure? Maybe it was just for this very moment that you became a queen altogether. And the words Mordechai uses, very, very sharp words. He says, At ubet You and your father's home will be lost. That's the words he uses. You and your father's home will be lost. 
So the Rebbe Rashab said that at is feminine refers to the neshama because the neshama is always referred to in feminine tense. That's at. Ubeisavich refers to your father that refers to chachma or the source of the soul. The repository of, the, of the, the, the source from where the neshama is taken from. So he says, the, your neshama, your nefesh, and your source, this was what will be lost. So along these uh, lines, I heard an incredible story recently that there was once a person who decided that he has to ask the Rebbe something personally. And I think there wasn't anymore the opportunity to go into the Rebbe's study and speak to him privately. And the Rebbe hadn't begun the the dollars distribution where he would give people tzedakah, making them a shliach, that they should go on to pass on some tzedakah to somebody else. And he was very, very distraught and he wanted very much to speak to the Rebbe and he was going to wait outside. People saw him waiting outside the door. By the Rebbe comes at the davening and somebody got wind of this and they said to him, no, 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 it doesn't work like that. The Rebbe is way too busy. You can't just, can't just talk to the Rebbe. Parenthetically, when the Rebbe would walk into his room, before he sat down, he slipped out of his kapata and his hat was on the floor within seconds, within, before the door closed. He didn't even hang up his kapata and his, he put his hat away. That was every second was so, was so busy. So the person decided that 770, whether the Rebbe Shul is a lot of people, it's not a good idea, it's not going to work here. But he decided that he's going to go to wait outside the Rebbe's home. When the Rebbe will come out of his house, it's usually quiet there, there's no crowds. He'll go over and he'll approach the Rebbe. So he did that. And it happened to be there was a group of yeshiva students and they saw this and they were very angry. And they came over to this guy after and they berated him terribly. And he felt very bad, so he decided to write a letter to the Rebbe. And he said to the Rebbe, this, this happened and the yeshiva students berated me and they made me feel terrible. So the Rebbe responded to him and this guy came to 770 a few days later looking for the students who berated him. <laughs> he said, I have a message for you. And he found these students and he said to them, this is what the Rebbe said. Deborah responded two points. Number one, why weren't the students in yeshiva studying as they're supposed to be? <laughs> who appointed who them? Number one. Number two, the Rebbe said there's a teaching from the Baal Shem Tev that a neshama comes down to this world for 70 or 80 years just to do one favor. One favor. So the Rebbe said, how could they know this isn't the one favor I was supposed to do? Maybe they're taking away from me my whole purpose of my existence. Which is an astounding you know, the, 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 the astounding nature of those words cannot be overemphasized. But the, with everything that the Rebbe accomplished and everything that the Rebbe, the Rebbe, the, the Rebbe did on so many levels to, for so many hundreds of thousands of millions of people, and yet the Rebbe said that that one year, that could be the whole purpose. So the next time somebody asks you for a favor, and you start hemming and hoing and say, oh, leave me alone, have no koyach, I'm not interested. Remember, it could be for that one neshama, that one favor, that one moment, that all of life has arranged itself, as it were, to bring you to this point, and at that moment, you, it's your, your turn to act. So this is a very, very profound and a very powerful message. And it has its intended impact. Esther is acquiesces. We're going to pick it up now our, in our study of the Megillah, verse 15. Chapter 4, verse 15. I encourage everybody to follow along inside because m most of the messages that we will be highlighting are actually encoded into the, the words of the scripture. And if you read the words of the scripture carefully and properly, then you're able to have an appreciation of, of what's going on. So Esther responds, Vatoimer Esther. Esther said, Lahashiv el Mordechai. To relay or to bring to Mordechai. 
So in other words, Esther is replying to Mordechai, and this is how she replies to Mordechai. Now the obvious question here is, why does it say, why does it, why, why does it say, Vatomar Esther, Esther said, Lahashiv el Mordechai, to re respond to Mordechai. Why didn't Esther just, Vatomar Esther, Esther el Mordechai? Or, I don't know, Heshev Esther el Mordechai. So, so, so you sent a messenger, that's clear. Now, the, 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 targum, the targum says, Ve'amoras Esther, Esther said, L'mechoel v'gavriel. That's what the Targum says. She instructed the archangels, Michael and Gabriel, Michael and Gabriel, the archangels, that they, that they should bring this message to Mordechai. Now why was she instructing archangels to bring a message to Mordechai? So the way the Amlois interprets this is, he says, in the hands of the angels, soft words, pleasant words. Lefayes, in order to appease Mordechai, because Mordechai was really angry. And Esther understood that Mordechai was really angry, and therefore in order to appease him, she sends these angels. Now, whether we take this on a literal level or not, of course, is questionable, because what doesn't say in the scripture is not necessarily literal. And everything which is outside of the actual scripture can always be a metaphor. And only a mikro yotzei midei pshuto, only the scripture can never be misconstrued from its literal meaning. So maybe this means that Esther sent a message in the form of Michal and Gavriel. Michal is the angel of Chesed. Gavriel is the angel of Gvura. Maybe Esther sent a message, a message saying that she would be entirely committed to do this, that she was devoting herself. Maybe she said that she was going to have the necessary courage and the discipline. I don't know. We can understand Michal and Gavriel euphemistically also. In the, in the Targum Sheni, it says, Va'amoras Esther b'chsova. Esther said it in a written letter. She dictated. She sent a written response. In other words, she did not want her words to be colored or misconstrued. She wanted the Mordechai to know exactly what she was saying. What's the best way? Registered mail. She sent him exactly a letter that she should, he should be able to convey this message to her so there should be no questions whatsoever. The Ma'am also points out in the name of, of Rabbi Sha'al-Sheikh that Esther was very concerned that something would get out. Hasach or Daniel disappeared. So Haman was monitoring what was going on. Because Haman, Haman knew this is, he just hatched this plot. He hatched the plot, they got drunk together, and then he left the palace and he's very, very nervous. Haman wants to make sure nothing goes wrong. And he was suspicious of Esther. Nobody knew who Esther is. Esther was the mystery queen. She wouldn't say where she came from. Nobody could figure her out. So he was, he was watching everything. And he was certainly watching Mordechai. And he sees Mordechai being sackcloth and ashes. Mordechai sending messengers. Messages, fervative messages being sent. Immediately he had him assassinated. Daniel is now gone. Esther is very, very reticent to make sure to, to, to just send somebody. So therefore, she sends a written, a written response so that her response should be clear and there should be no questions about it. There's a certain Rav I know who doesn't respond to any questions in... in uh, Verbally. People ask Shilas, he says he writes everything, he sends only written messages. I said to him, why? He said, because I, I've found these that over the years people ask a Shaila, and they say, oh yeah, the rabbi told me such and such. It was never such and such, it was kind of such and such. Everybody plays doctor, everybody plays rabbi. He said, that's it, everything I write, there's no question. Here's what I wrote, and that's, this I knew him years ago. This was like uh, two and a half decades ago before email. Maybe now he sends emails or text messages. He said, everything, he would never respond 
in, in verbally. I, n- I never met any other rabbi like this, by the way. So it's, it's a very interesting. He's like a bit of an unusual guy. But that, but that's the that's the, the logic behind it. So so Esther sends this very very clear message, and and the message should not be misunderstood in any way, shape, or form. Okay, what's the message? The message is found in verse sixteen. Lech knos es kol hayehudim. I want you to gather all of the Jewish people together. The Mamloi says the part of the message, before the actual message, was the, the subtext of the message was, don't rely on me. I'm doing what I have to do, but don't rely on me. This is not about me. Don't think, the Jewish people shouldn't say, oh, it's just going to take care of things. We have a queen. We have a sister in the palace, as, 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 as it is said. No, it says, don't rely on me. This is, this is your problem now. This is something you, they, everybody needs to do. Lech, go. Knos es yehudim. Gather together all of the Jewish people. Hanim tsa'im b'shushan. That are found in Shushan. And what should you do? I'm going to read through this verse quickly and then I'm going to come back to it. And we're going to analyze it piece by piece to try to fully understand the messages it conveys to us. She says, gather all the Jewish people together. V'tzumo and you will fast for me. We'll soon see what that means. We know what it means to fast. So why does she have to spell out, note, eat and drink for three days? We'll talk about that. We will also do, me and my, my maidens, who are these maidens? And so, that's how I'll come to the king. Which is going to be illegal, violation of the law. And if I perish, if I get lost, so well, I perish, I'll be lost. A very, very... Uh, important verse to study. Firstly, because it was written not when the Megillah was written. This verse is already written. This is already Esther's written response. So everything is very, very exact in this response. Every detail, every nuance. This is exactly what she conveyed to Mordechai. So let's look carefully inside. The first thing it says, Leich Kinos. Go and gather. What does this mean? So the Ibn Ezra says, Go and gather means Asof. Asof, asof means to gather them. In other words, this is going to be Mordechai's job. It's your job to gather them. And where do we see something interesting about this? A, a, a corollary between the word go and gather. So, first of all, many point out that the word lech, lech is a word of zeros. Go do this. Like where do we find that? We find when they were going to sell Yosef. It says, lechu v'nimkerenu li'ishma'il. They threw Yosef into the pit. Then they said, okay, we're going to sell him to the Yishmaelim, to the Ishmaelites. It says, Lechu, where are they going to go? They weren't going anywhere. They were right there. Yosef was in a pit. They pulled him out. They sold him to the Ishmaelites. There was a caravan going by of some Bedouins, of some traders. So what's the answer? The answer is, Lechu doesn't mean to go anywhere. Mordechai, is, Esther's not telling him, leave the palace grounds. Obviously, leave the palace grounds. How are you going to gather the Jews by sitting here? You send them a text message? It doesn't exist. Obviously, you have to leave. Why does Esther have to say Lech? It should say, Knos, go and do whatever you have to do. So Lech means you need to do this. You, you're demanding, you're making demands of me. Esther now returns the favor. And I am making demands of you. The first thing she said is, Lech, go ahead, you need to do this. You need to pull yourself together. And, and, and this is the idea of go to the city of Shushan. In other words, you do this for yourself. Don't, don't send somebody else to do this. This is your personal responsibility. You asked me, now you have to respond. And, and, and it's interesting that the word in, in, in the Targum, it says here, and the words Lech Kinos, the Targum says, Ezel Kinos Yos Kol Yehudoi, go and gather all of the Jewish people together. Now, we have this idea with regard to, 
to uh, Moshe, when it says Vayakel Moshe, it says Vakonas Moshe. And we know with the words Vayakel Moshe, Moshe gathered together, it was Moshe Rabbeinu himself who caused the Jewish people to congregate together. It's interesting to point out there's a medrash that says that Mordechai Bedoro ke Moshe Bedoro, that there's a corollary between Moshe Rabbeinu and between Mordechai. We talked about this in our previous classes, about the incredible link between Mordechai and Moshe. Some people even name Moshe Mordechai. It's a, it's a connection. So this, there's this business. Just like Moshe Rabbeinu had to go and gather the people, there was the Hakel. He had to gather, he had to congregate. So to here, go and gather. So what's the message? Just gathering people is also something. There's meaning to that too. Just gather the Jewish people together. You're Mordechai. You have to create Jewish unity. Bring them together. Okay, that's number one. First thing is Lech Knos. And then after you gather the Jewish people together, which people is that? Hanim Now this seems a bit of an oxymoron. On one hand we say, go and gather the people together, which means Jewish unity. On the other hand we say, go gather the people of Shushan. The Jewish people living in 127 provinces. Why didn't she say, send letters? He sent letters all over. You sent letters all over. Call a national day of prayer, a national day of repentance. We'll do this, let's say, in a month from now. And you get the message out and all the Jewish people come together. And then I'm going to go and I'm going to see Achashverosh. Now, that's not going to work. That's not going to work because Mordechai said to Esther, Now! We can't wait. That's what we learned in the previous class. You can't do this. cannot be pushed off. It cannot be delayed. Immediate action is required. Oh, if immediate action is required, Esther says, then immediate action is required from you. So who are you going to gather together? So it says, the people in Shushan. Ibn Ezra says, Ha'ir, the city Shushan. Why do we have to emphasize they gather together the people from the city of Shushan? So the, the Vilna Gaon has a very simple response. He says, if this is urgent, and we learned that it is, how are you supposed to gather the Jews from 127 provinces, from the entirety of the civilized world, in a few days? He said, it's hours, the clock is ticking. You have to be reasonable. What could you do? What you could do is gather the people together, at least in Shushan. Now, it's also important to note that we, we, read, we learned this earlier, much, much earlier, many classes ago, we talked about the concept of the sin, the great sin, right? The sin was that they went to the party of Achashvesh. Who went to the party? Which Jewish people? Ah, the people from Shushan. So it's the people who went to Shushan, and now they're going to be fasting, which we're going to soon see Ma'am Loy says, this is Mida Kenegad Mida. They imbibed and indulged in food, now they'll be starving. Now it's the Hunger Games will begin. So when and this is going to be, the people who ate are going to be the people who fast. The, the Ma'am Loaz says that there is, there is um, a subtext here. And the subtext is that what did, Mordechai, what, 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 what did Mordechai say? What was Haman's words? What was Haman's letter? Haman said, Yeshno am echad mefuzar umeforad. There is a nation who is? Divided. That was what he said, the divided people. So what are we going to demonstrate now? To work together. He said, says He says that we're not so. Therefore, Lech Kenos, your first job is to gather them together. And Mamlois, quoting the Menos Halevi, says a beautiful thing. He says the first thing is, Let them make up, kiss and make up. Let them love each other. Let them bury the hatchets. Let them get past whatever grudges they have the faribles and all kinds of other issues. Let them get past those issues. He says, and then, after they get past those issues, then we can undo the Lashon Hara that was spoken about the Jewish people. And, and he, Mamalor says something very interesting. When do people come together? When's the problem? That's when they really come. Halavai, people would come when there's a simcha. You know when they really come together? When things are bad. That's when they come together. 
But in some ways, that's not so bad. Why? Because, because pikuach nefesh, when life is at stake, then people revert back to their default. They go back to their essence. What is your essence is the question. Is the essence the fighting, the squabbling, the killing each other, the lav- lack of getting along? Who are we really? In the moment of pikuach nefesh, who you really are comes out. And therefore, because that's who you really are, he says, at least now in the time of Koach Nefesh, let the people come together. If they'll see the people coming together, then it shows that's who we really are. When I was in, in Israel for a few days during the last war, so I was, I'll never forget this uh, shiva visit we paid in Tiveria. The family name was Cohen. It was young, young parents, probably my age, I don't know, younger than me even. Young parent, 19-year-old boy, Nebuch, was, was killed. And she, she, the mother couldn't stop wailing. You came from Toronto. You came from, she couldn't stop. She kept repeating these words. They came out in Hebrew. Bow me Toronto. Bow, she couldn't stop wailing. And then she said to me, she said, I said to her, that, like, the, the last few days have been unbelievable. Like, to see the achtos of Am Yisrael, everybody's together as one. She says, yeah, yeah, right. Only when there's a war, though, she says. Otherwise, we fight. So I said to the Nachon Amnam, it's true. I said, Aval, im lo if we weren't really united, do you think we could become united during a war? I said, the war is just revealing the truth. That's who we really are. So she took comfort in that. It was, it was, it was, she said she, I, la- I got a message a few days later from somebody who heard from somebody or from somebody that this lady said the group came from Toronto and it brought a tremendous comfort that she felt the Jewish people are all one. That here's a woman sitting Shiva in Tiveria and it's, it's, it's important for other people just the idea of Shiva in general, not that you have anything wise to say, but when you come to pay a Shiva call, you're just showing, you're demonstrating that you, that you care that a person's not alone. So, so Ma'am Lois, in the name of Menei Salevi, says that's the first thing we're going to demonstrate here. So, that's, so the, everybody misses this point. When you read the Megillah quickly, you say, what, what, was that, what was Esther's message? Hunger games, starve. No, that's not, that's why I said look inside. Go, look, let's go back to the Pasuk now. What does she say? She doesn't say Tsumu Alai. She could have said Tsumu Alai. Esther dictated this. This was Esther's words. She didn't want her words to be changed. Exactly this. Leich Kenos es Kola Yehudim. Go gather all the Jewish people. I know, realistically, can gather all the Jewish people in 127 provinces. I understand that. But go gather all the Jewish people at least. Shushan. Okay. Vilnagon explains. Shushan. That's what's reasonable. Mam Lois says, why? Counterweight. Second point he makes, and this is quoted from the Maimon Mordechai, and, and also from the Alshech. Esther was a very, very wise person, very, very smart, and she understood her husband. She knew, she knew how Achashverosh thinks, she knew how he works. One of the reasons that Haman, who was also very smart, by the way, said to Achashverosh, this Amiz Mefuzaru Meforad, he says they will never be able to muster any resistance. They will simply collapse. You have nothing to fear. What was the fear of every emperor? Fear of every emperor was rebellion, revolt. The people rise against me. And that's why every evil empire sought everything it could to terrify the people into submission. That they should be afraid to revolt. That's what the Soviet Union did. Terrified everybody. You never knew who was the KGB. Your friend, your neighbor, your spouse. You never knew who who was reporting on you. So everybody was afraid of everybody. They were afraid to say anything. That's how they managed to quell any kind of rebellion. So that was what Haman said. Ah, they're, they're disunified. They're a disunified nation. They'll never be able to get it together. You have nothing to worry about. 
Because if they would be coming together as a cohesive group, that would present a fear for Achashverosh. This, this could be a mass rebellion across his whole empire. So Esther, the subtext here is Esther saying to Mordechai, look, I'm going to do my part, but back me up. Like, give me a narrative. He said Achashverosh is getting daily reports. He was a very, very wily fellow. He knew exactly what was going on. He knew the Jews are disunified. Haman couldn't sell him fake news. He knew it was the truth. He knew that they were fighting. So Esther said, if everybody gets together, Achashverosh will hear about it. He will hear that there's unity. He will hear that there's coming together. And if he hears, he'll be fearful. So Esther's not going to threaten him, but she knows that this will be in back of his mind. This will make her job, her task, her mission that much easier. So there's a lot in those three words that everybody glosses over. Lech knos, whatever, let's get, let's move on. No, 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 that's the point. Point A, let's get together. Point B, and what should we do when we get together? We should fast. But here, before we go on, I have to share with you an incredible insight from the Rebbe. So the Rebbe says, we're learning that Esther said every word so exact and everything is so precise. So Esther said, Lech knos es kol hayehudim. Go and gather all of the Jews. Why didn't Esther just say, Lech knos hayehudim. Gather the Jews. What's es kol hayehudim? All of the Jews. In other words, if Esther would not have said, Lech knos es kol hayehudim, would Mordechai still have gathered all of the Jews? Maybe not. Maybe not. In fact, the Rebbe says, quite possibly not. Why not? So this is the Rebbe's explanation. Many of the people in Shushan were secularized and disassociated Jews, disaffected Jews. They didn't really care about the Yiddishkeit. They were ready to sell the Yiddishkeit or abandon the Yiddishkeit for a whim, for fear of power or persecution or the, the thought, uh, the intoxicating thought of rising to some kind of prominence or importance and be accepted by, by those around them. That's not a theory, that, that's a fact. The Gemara in Megillah tells us in great detail how they participated in this debauchery, in the terrible party, which, 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 which debased and denigrated the vessels of the Beis HaMikdash. Achashverosh in a drunken stupor is prancing around in the clothes of the Kohen Gadol while he's demanding that Vashti comes and gives them an X-rated show. I mean, the whole thing was, 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 was disgusting. And these people participated in it. And they went on Shabbat to do it. And they could have eaten only the kosher food, but then there were people look at the funny. Well, you don't, you're not going to drink with us. So they drank the yayinesa. They drank the wine, which is prohibited. They ate the food, which you're not allowed to eat. This is what we're talking about. Mordechai knows this. And Esther knows this too. Now, Esther is about to make an extraordinary request. It's, it's according to many of the Mepharshim, unprecedented and unreplicated ever since. Never before did all the Jewish people together fast for three days. Never before, never again. Never before, never again was there such a show of unity. And Esther's making this demand. She's setting this into motion. And she knows that Mordechai will naturally think, you're going to go to a Jew who is ready to eat pork and drink non-kosher wine, sacramental, idolatry wine on Shabbat while the, in, the, in the vessels of the Beit HaMikdash. And you're going to tell him, listen, Abid, we've got some trouble. I want you to fast for three days. You guys go, three days? What are you, joking or something? It's not, it's not, that's not realistic. You want me to become, turn from the rebel into the rabbi overnight? Come on, get real. Mordechai also knew that the Torah way is called Derech HaEmtzois. The Torah way is the middle path. 
oftentimes confused with the Greek idea of the golden mean, but it should not be confused with it because the Torah, Torah it's, it's a very unique Torah perspective, even though it may look like some of the other philosophies and other ideas or ideals that are out there. Torah is a very unique way. The Rambam says, the Rambam writes this in the laws of Deus right in the beginning, that the straightforward approach is midabeninus, to do things in a measured fashion, kind of in between, to, in a balanced way. In the middle of every day, every approach, every bias, every attitude to life, you should always be in the middle. And he says that there are two extreme poles to everything. Everything has extremes. And you should be as far away from either extreme as possible. Now, as far away from either extreme or either pole as possible is a long-winded way of saying the middle. The middle. Away from either extreme. Now, you come to people who are on one extreme... These are people who are doing all kinds of terrible sins. And you tell them, listen, I think you should go to the other extreme. How will that work? So Mordechai would think from a Torah perspective, it's not going to work. Who is he going to talk to? He'll talk to the Jews who listen to Mordechai. And the other Yidden, you know, the Rebbe said by the Fabregen, Halavai, at least they'll make a, a, a blessing and eat kosher food. You want to fast for three days? <laughs> let, let him do something. Don't, don't ask for too much. And as a rule, that is the right approach. That is the right approach. It's not reasonable to come up to somebody who's totally not observant to say, you need to become observant right now. Today. You lose him on the spot. So when you want to bring somebody home to Yiddishkeit, and we should both want and do, and do that, what do you, how do you do? A mitzvah. Something. Involvement. Epis. You know, like you, you to start somewhere. And you hope that one mitzvah is goreret mitzvah, leads to another mitzvah. It's an accumulative process. But Esther is now in the driver's seat. Before Mordechai was in the driver's seat. He was issuing demands. And he was making extraordinary requests of Esther, which would risk her life. Esther says, okay, that's cool. I'm risking my life. I'm ready. I'm ready. Like the Mam Lois says in his commentary, he says, do not think I was looking for my own safety. I, I was trying to do what's prudent. I was trying to do things wisely. But I, and I understand what you're saying. I, I realize the severity, the enormity of this moment. He says, okay, in that case, then extreme measures call for extreme measures. And the Rebbe said something else very interesting. Sometimes a person who's a tzaddik, you know, the, the holy of holy Jews, he lives in a holy place and he doesn't really have a sense of empathy or understanding of people who are totally off the path. And, and to him, they seem so far from what's good and right and holy and Jewish that it's impossible to get through to them. But Esther, as a result of her recent experiences, now had a different form of empathy and EQ. She understood people differently. You see, Esther was the queen. And, you know, you, you see on the, the pictures and the videos of the, the president, the first lady, she has to go along to everything, whether she wants to or doesn't want to whether she's part of it or not part of it. You see, like the recent pictures. She's got she to play the role. got to come along. So Ahasuerus is going to all kinds of things. What, what did rulers do? What do they still do till today? They, 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 do, they do work. Yeah, There's work to be done. There's executive orders. There's also events and parties and, you know, hobnobbing. And so Esther has to come along always. And remember, nobody knows Esther's Jewish because Mordechai said, don't tell anybody you're Jewish. And she's coming in resplendent glory and all beautiful, dressed up, and everybody's eating and drinking. And Esther, she's tempted. Again, keeps her mouth quiet. I'm sure Ahasuerus said, Esther, have a drink. 
She said, no, no, thank you. I'll have some water. Nobody could figure this girl out. This beautiful queen who won't, like, they, probably they figured that's how she keeps her figure. She doesn't eat anything. But <laughs> she'd never ate anything, never took a drink of anything. Like, it was bizarre. Esther was being constantly tested. We think of Esther as like some kind of, you know, she had an easy, cushy, rosy life. She had a very, very challenging, difficult life. She, she remained an observant, said, a righteous woman for these years that she was married to Hashverosh, even during those years. So, so Esther knows what this is. I mean, like, she lived it. And she says to Mordechai, I understand. I know where they're coming, I know where they're coming from. I'm, I'm, I'm there. I'm being tempted like this. She says, don't underestimate a yid. Every yid can rise to the moment. You have to go and gather them all together. And when you will gather them all together, this is going to bring about the salvation. Perhaps this takes us in another very interesting direction. So once we have that commentary of the Rebbe, this, then we have an, another, where we become like open to another issue. And that is that it says that cold kindness, any fast, that you don't have Peshi Yisrael, that you don't have sinners of the Jewish people who are participating. So it says... It says that it's not a tainus. It's not a fast. Now the words of the Ma'amaloa start to make sense because the Ma'amaloa actually talks about this. He says the only way to get everybody, to get this a real fast, was to get everybody involved. He says, What you learn the Ma'amaloa is like, what? We're going live again? Yeah? So when you want to accomplish something that's extraordinary, when you want to accomplish like a miraculous thing, you have to reach out to Hashem in a miraculous or extraordinary way. And, and, how, is that a, and how, how is that done? There's a famous story, a marshal from, from the Alter Rebbe. It's a, a story within a story, but I don't, I don't want, to, I want to stay on the point. So on, on staying on the on point over here, the story goes that the Alter Rebbe had a, an ex, a, a very special merit, a very special virtue that, that his son was able to see in a dream and he asked him, why do you have this virtue? And he said, because I spent 10 years making Bali Tshuva. spent 10 years of my life going from place to place trying to bring Yidin home. And he said he did so because of a teaching of the Magid, that the Magid, Magid of Mizrich taught about these two children who were with their father. That one was a child who came all the time and they had a wonderful relationship and it was beautiful. It's beautiful. His father sees a child with him. It's very nice. And then there was a child who was estranged lost and he said and then after many 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 moons of estrangement somebody was able to orchestrate bringing that child home and and the, and the father was very very emotional much more intensely emotional than when he saw the child he sees all the time there was something very special about that homecoming about that reunification and that was a muscle that was a metaphor for a yid who has gone off the path and who has returned and interestingly, one of the things we say about Moshe Rabbeinu is Rabim Heshev Me'oven. Moshe turned many away from sin. And on the, on the tombstones of the Rabbeim, it says these words, Rabim Heshev Me'oven. Sometimes the greatest thing you could do is to bring somebody home to Yiddishkeit. There's a certain power, a certain wonderment, a certain incredible energy in bringing somebody home to Yiddishkeit. And that's what Esther wanted to accomplish here. So Esther understood the virtue of Baal Tshuva. She understood the virtue of bringing every single Jew home. She said, these are extraordinary times. We have an extraordinary threat that hangs over us, an existential threat. And the way that we're going to be able to transform this is by bringing home Hashem's children. Lech knois es kol Perhaps a microcosm of this was experienced in our time when in the days leading up to the Six-Day War where 
you remember much better than me because I was still on the way in Gan Eden on the way down at that time. But you, some, some of you are old enough to remember very well the way Holocaust scenarios were being openly discussed where the Arabs are talking about pushing the Jews into the ocean. Right? These are the peace partners. Slaughtering Israel. And, 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 and Israel's friends were not standing by to help. And Israel was in an in, in existential threat. And, and the Rebbe at that time launched the Tefillin campaign. And he talked about the verse that says, the the nations will see and they will fear you. This is Tefillin Shabarish. And the Rebbe encouraged that everybody should get Yidin to put on Tefillin. People who hadn't put on Tefillin in decades. People who never put on Tefillin in their life. And in the days leading up to the war, thousands of Yidin around the world put on Tefillin. Some of them for the first time, many for the first time in their lives. And we don't have to use any hyperbole or, or, or imagination to say that the Six-Day War was a, a miraculous event. Un, un, unparalleled in modern times. How did it happen? It happened because Mordechai got the Yidden together. Lech knoises kol yehudim Kol ha-Yehudim. The Jews who were involved in Yiddishkeit, nobody had to call them. They were all coming to Shul to Davin. Every Shul, every congregation, every community was coming together for prayer. It was understood that the people who believe in Hashem knew this is a very precarious time. But who wasn't coming? Who wasn't getting involved? Who wasn't going to a prayer, a prayer meeting, to a, to, a, to a prayer demonstration? People who were whatever. said, go out in the street and find those yid and put on the phone with them. And that, the pashtos, what brought about this incredible miracle from Hashem. So this is the story of Esther's letter. Just the beginning of the letter. Okay. Getting the Jewish people together is great. Okay, but like we said, the Rebbe said, get them together, put on the with them. So what are you going to do with them now? So Esther goes on and say, says, after you bring together all these Jews who are in Shushan, go for the jugular, the most sinful, the most the secular, disaffected Jews, you'll bring them together. And this will demonstrate, and as the Mam Lois said, this is also creates a, a narrative. So many levels things are going on here. On, this, on a spiritual level, on a material level, on a political level. A lot, a lot's going on over here. What are you going to do? He says, First of all, they'll fast for me. You're not going to eat a drink for three days. Pardon me. Day and night. Three, we'll talk about this in a minute. Three days. All right, so first, first thing to understand. What does it mean, v'tsumu alai? What does it mean, tsumu alai? What's fast for me? <laughs> Nothing happened to me? You think they would listen to the queen faster than the rabbi? <laughs> Maybe. So, so this, is how, this is how the Malbim puts it. The Malbim says a very interesting thing. He says, what did Esther, what message did she get from, from Mordechai? The Jewish people will be saved. Okay, so what do you want from me? Well, you're right now in the hot seat. You have the baton. You have to run. You're the next, you're the next up in the relay race. So she says, oh, so I have to run? And this is why... Okay, so this is why I'm here. I have to run. If I have to run, I'm ready to run. So she says, okay, now I know two things. I know, number one, the Jewish people are going to be saved. Number two, I know it's up to me to make an effort. What does she not know, however? What is Esther not certain of? She's not certain if she will be the one to bring about that salvation. She knows it's her job to make the effort. She does not know if she will emerge unscathed. 
So a person could have absolute faith in Hashem that things will work out. The Jewish people in the end, they will be saved. They have to be saved. What do you want from me? You have to make the effort now. That's what Hashem wants from you. That's what's asked of you now. So Esther says, okay, I get that. I understand that this is my mission now. And I know the Jewish people will be saved. The one thing I don't know is if I'm going to be saved. So she says, at the very least, if I'm going to be the one who's risking my life, do you think maybe they could fast for me? I, I, I need their prayers now. I'll do what I have to do, but I can't do this alone. I need, I need them to be praying and davening for me. As the Rebbe once said, Esther understood that this is entirely a spiritual thing. She understood this. And, and, uh, and therefore, because she understood this, she says, Esther needed to make sure that the promise and the pledge of the Jewish people to rekindle their Jewishness would, would refill the spiritual bank account of merits for Am Yisrael. And then she would have capital to spend. The Rebbe gave a metaphor. He said, can you write a check if the account is empty? You could write a nice check, be gold embossed. You could sign it with a fountain pen and it bounces. So Esther could make all the efforts, but all those efforts are superficial. The superficial efforts are worthless if there isn't anything in the account. Right now, the Jewish people's bank account is depleted. They did a terrible sin. They brought this upon themselves. The only way my efforts could be successful is only if they will do what they have to do. I'll do my part, but only they have to tsumolai. They have to make sure that I am not sent on a mission for failure, that they have been able to bring forth Hashem's bracha. Understand? The, Ibn Ezra puts it like this. He says, Esther She trusted in her God. And that's why she was ready to fast and she wasn't afraid that her own beauty would be diminished. She's going to wilt. She's going to fast for three days. She says, Gamani, I'm also going to fast. My maidens are going to fast. Otsum came. Doesn't make any sense. You're going to impress Achashverosh? You're trying to razzle-dazzle him? You better get your act together. You better be the... the, the you know, you, 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 you better be on top of your game. You better be the best Esther you could be if you expect to get Achashverosh's attention. But Esther knew that what she was doing was unlawful. And, and it, 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 her success would not make a difference. It would not be how good she looked. Ultimately, this would be entirely in the hands of Hashem. So she says, Sumu Alai, I know this is a mission that has to be backed up with a spiritual benefit. I know that this has to be the, the, the help of Hashem. Therefore, it's Sumu Alai. Therefore, you need to fast for me. But, but she said, she said, I know very well at the same time that I may not succeed anyway. It doesn't mean the Jewish people won't succeed. I will go uvechein, and, and then, in that case, you said this is urgent, I say no problem. It's urgent that everybody fast. We can't push this off now. Get everybody together, fast for three days now, and then uvechein ovei lamelech, and so I'll come to the king. Ashalei chadas, I know I'm breaking the rule of the rules. V'chasher avadati, okay, avadati. If I, if I get lost, if I perish, then I perish. I can't do anything about that. Can't do anything about that. So why three days? Very, very good question. Everybody's worried about the three days. You want to make sure no rabbis hatch any plots against you, huh? Send you off at the Hunger Games and fast for three days. <laughs> so firstly, firstly, we have to point out that the emphasis here was very much on the fasting. That's clear. Very much on the fasting. And we see that because Esther doesn't say, um, they'll pray for me. He says, sumu alai, sumu. And the Mamloyas points out, he says, it's, it's very interesting that we don't find anywhere, uh, as a rule, that we emphasize the fasting. 
what we usually emphasize is the tefillah and the tzedakah. Right? We have this, there's three things, tshuva, tefillah, tzedakah. So on top of tshuva, in the little words of the mass, it says tzom, fasting. But that's just, that's one thing. So he says, but here, Ma'am Loya says, is different. And the reason he quotes from the Ma'am Mardchai is because the sin of the Jewish people was indulging. And because they indulged in a party that was a many-day party, several days, getting drunk and, and, and pleasuring themselves, the only way to undo this was to be the opposite. David Feinstein points out something very interesting. He says that the number three always catches our attention in Judaism. First of all, I'm saying this, he doesn't say this, but number three is a chazaka. Number three is like establishes permanence. But he says, we know that the idea of Purim, the Gemara tells us, was the Jewish people accepted upon themselves what they had begun to accept in the time of Matan Torah. We know that Matan Torah, the Gemara and Shabbos tells us, is very much connected to the number three. Wait back on. So the Torah is given on the third month from leaving Mitzrayim, Bachay The Torah is given in triplicate, Torah, Nevi'im, Ketuvim, Tanakh. The Torah is given to the Jewish people who are divided into three grades, Kohanim, Levi'im, Yisraelim. The Torah is given to the third, the, the, uh, the leader of the Jewish people comes from the third tribe, Reuven, Shimon, Levi. Moshe Rabbeinu is the third son, Miriam, Aaron, Moshe, and a bunch of other things. But it goes to a whole bunch of things of threes, a lot of threes, which maybe another faith system took and went in a different direction, but that has nothing to do with us. That's not our problem. But the number three was a very important number for Jewish people. And, and uh, therefore, since this whole business was now reaffirming the commitment to Torah, maybe if David says that's why this is a good idea to have the number three that's attached, number three attached to it, because number three. Now, a, a fasting for a day I mean, happens. It's, that's a, it's a regular occurrence. That wouldn't be so extraordinary. It's hard. Yeah, but a day is, a day is not so extraordinary. Two days, that's already really, now you're doing very, three days unheard of. But remember, this was an unheard of situation. Unheard of situation. And, and therefore, because it was an unheard of situation, Esther demanded an unheard of kind of devotion from the Jewish people. Now, the, the Mamleus says something very interesting. He says, we have a, the Gemara says, that you can't, you can't survive. Can't, what happened? You, you can't, you can't uh, fast for three days. Can't, can't fast for three days. Mamloy says, right, well, first of all, in India, there's still people who do it today. He says it's not true. You really? No, I'm not rubbing it in, on the contrary. Mamloy says that, that it, you could do it. And he says there are people who have fasted for four or five days. Four, if even four or five days. So why do we say you can't fast for three days? People can't fast more than three days. So he says because there are some people who can't. Some people will, will die. Oh, now here's the problem. We know when it comes to making a gzeira on the tzibur, it has to be a gzeira shahat tzibur yecholim la'amodbo. It has to be something that everybody should be able to do, not only some people. So if it's going to be three days and some people can't do it, how's that going to work? So Mamaloya suggests that they did eat in the evening. They did eat something just in the evening. They ate and they went back to fasting. And then they fasted. I don't want to compare it to anything. <laughs> and then they fasted. And then they, and then they ate something and then they fasted. So there was three days, it wasn't an impossibility, but nonetheless, it was three days of intense prayer, three days of fasting. 
Now, on a, on a simple level, it doesn't seem like that. It seems like Laila Viyom, Yala Viyom. That's what it seems like. But he, he the Mamloya says, with a certainty, he says twice, that it was Mafsikim Bebaijim, they would stop. They would stop. It was, it was not Shlesh Yomim Ritzufim, Lehoisagzeira Shlesh Yom Ritzufim, he says, Elobah Sokas with interruptions. And that's the idea of Shlesh Yomim, Shilo Shalyim, a triplicate of days. I'm not going to tell you that everybody agrees with that. There are many, many Mepharshim who say three days was three days. That's what it seems like for the Gemara, incidentally. It seems like they did not eat and drink for three days. Maybe somebody who was dying, somebody who took a drink of water. That's very possible. Somebody couldn't, couldn't. But whoever could fast for three days, and Allah himself acknowledges that many people could accept for three days. So, so what's, what's the business of fasting? What's the point of fasting? Learn Torah, do mitzvahs. What's the point of fasting? So he says, remember, the main point here was not the Torah. The main point here was coming together and being united. And he says there's no more powerful thing that everybody's fasting together. Everybody stopped their lives. Everybody interrupted what they were doing. And, and the Mamloya says something um, furthermore. Quote, quoting here from a number of, of uh, different Rishonim. He says that what happens when a person has a diminished appetite or a diminished involvement and engagement in the material reality, it allows the light of the neshama to shine forth. He says, pleasuring oneself and immersing oneself in the physical material reality invariably somehow darkens the light of the neshama. Esther was hoping that by fasting, by weakening the physical natural resolve, that the people's neshama would shine forth, who they really were the finest element of them, the real beautiful spiritual undercurrent. Remember who she was dealing with, all kinds of people, everybody, kola Yehudim. And that was Esther's plan. And by doing so, this would be something that everybody would do. And everybody would get together. And everybody would become contrite. And everybody would do tshuva. And, and it seems that it worked. It seems that it worked. What's up with these girls fasting? Why did, I mean, Esther had to fast. Why did the girls have to fast? This is, this is very hard to understand. There's even a machlekes if these girls were Jewish. According to some of the Rishonim, the Erchadosh says they were not Jewish girls. But Esther had the people fast around her. Why? She said Esther was at her plan. The Erchadosh says Esther's plan was that if Achashverosh would fume, say, what are you doing here? Which he was planning to. But a, 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 an angel pushed his hand. We'll get there. What happened, how, he, how he stretches out a scepter. Esther would say, I'm here because it's very important. It's so important I've been fasting for three days. And Achashverosh would go, fasting for three Baloney. And Esther would say, yeah, trust me, we did it. All my girls did it also. So this would create the alibi. And Achashverosh would realize this is really serious. It was, it's, Esther was last ditch resort. If Achashverosh roars off with your head, this would be, this would, Esther would immediately plead for her people. And she would say, I take this so serious, I fasted three days. In fact, that's not the plan Esther had. Esther's plan, if everything would go according to her plan, which it did, was to come and carry favor, include Haman, string him along. That was her plan. And that's what she did. But what happens if Ahasuerus flies his handle? I mean, this man is a lunatic, and he did behead his last wife for, on a whim, because she wouldn't come nude and dancing. Like, like that's crazy. Well, she, didn't, what, she just showed up without being asked. He could kill her for that. So she would scream, I'm fasting, I fasted, I take it so seriously. She'd have an alibi. That's one, that's one approach. However, in the Piddush, which is Menuchas of the Rambam, the Rambam says they were Jewish girls. And these were Jewish girls who were in captivity, who you forced to do slave labor for Vashti. Vashti was a monster of a human being, disgusting, horrible person. And she pointedly would take Jewish girls and she would torment them. She would, she would abuse them and torment them in a whole variety of ways. 
And it seems from the Medrash, sexual abuse also. And she would force them to work on Shabbos. And she would force them to eat pork. So Esther rescued these girls. And she took them into her, she made them her inner cabinet, her group of people. So she said, me and my, my young woman, my, us Jews, us palace Jews, will be fasting too. We'll be fasting too. So in this way, everybody was going to be fasting. And, and Esther, how, how would it be, he says, if, if, if every, they're eating and the queen is not, wouldn't, wouldn't be right. This way, that's, they were in this together. It's always easier to do something in it together. Now remember, these girls never knew Esther was Jewish. She didn't tell anybody. She didn't tell a soul. So, so this way, she would kind of get them to fast. They might not even know what's going on, and maybe they would hear what's going on. They would have whatever they had in mind. She would have whatever they have in mind. But this would create the environment where Esther was saying, I'll be fasting too. And what does this really show us? Esther didn't just give instructions. She said, you're asking me to go and risk my life? Well, then you do something difficult. Esther said, I'm with you. I'm, gonna, I'm not only going to risk my life, I'm going to fast also. I'm going to be part of this. You'll be fasting for three days. I'll be fasting for three days. My young girls will be fasting. Everybody will be fasting for these three days. And then she says, if that doesn't work, okay, then Hashem has a different plan. I understand what you said. I know this is my mission. And I'm willing to do it. And here it gets very interesting. She comes to the king, on a literal level, it means, okay, end of story. Esther says, I break, I break the law, I pay for my life, I did, I did my part. However, Rashi quoting the Gemara says, there's something else going on over here. does not mean just breaking the law. She says, breaking my law. It's against my will. Because up until this point, she says, Esther never willingly submitted herself to Achashverosh. So Esther was forced into a compromising situation. She was not considered to be somebody who was unfaithful to her husband, who was Mordechai. But she says, now that I'm going on my own volition, I'm submitting myself to Achashverosh, now at this point and onward, I'm finished. I cannot, all my hope of regaining, someday Achashverosh dies, but she did. You know, his reign only lasted 12 years. Which he, and she would rejoin Mordechai, never could materialize now. Because once she submitted herself willingly, finished. That's the halacha. If a woman is raped, she could continue to live with her husband. If she willingly has an affair, then it's over. She can't live with her husband anymore. So Esther knew this. She said, you know what you're asking of me? Do you understand what the, what the, And Mordechai knew exactly what he was asking. I said, this is extreme, extraordinary situation. Like the Mamloyas calls it an Aveda Lishma. It says, Gedela Aveda Lishma. An Aveda for the sake of heaven is sometimes greater than a mitzvah. I've said, I lose everything here. You're asking me to sin. You're asking me to violate everything I believe in. But I have to save the Jewish people. And therefore, Hashem Avadati, Avadati, literal level, perish. Hashem is going to chop her head off. He's going to kill her on the spot. But the Medrash even if a miracle happens, which it did, Esther could never go back. This is finished. She said, I'm lost from my house. You said my father's house lost. I'm going to be lost. Because once I do this willingly, then after that point onward, there's nothing else to talk about. So Esther fully accepts it upon herself. And she does what has to be done. And of course, you and I all know the rest of the story. But David Feinstein points out that the whole idea of the Megillah is the concept of Hester Panim. That God is hidden. The whole idea is God is hidden. He says, what greater hiding of Hashem, what greater Hester Panim, greater Gullus, that a Tzadikus, that a righteous woman, a holy woman Esther, has to violate the Torah in order to save the Jewish people. Could there be a greater Hester Panim than that? 
could there be a greater concealment of Hashem's face? And the Mesiris Nefesh, which for Esther to be Moser Nefesh, to, to submit herself, her, her spirit was far worse than submitting herself physically and, 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 and literally. And, for es- and that's the kind of Mesiris Nefesh which was asked. Imagine, he says, imagine this is a new definition of the concept of, 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 the, of the idea of Hester Panim. And the, tr- the truth is, in the end, in the end, the miracle does happen. And Esther is the hero. But she never rejoined Mordechai again. And she never actually got to rejoin the Jewish people. We have no record of her ever being able to rejoin the Jewish people. She remained estranged. Everybody went home to Israel three, two years later, three years later, happily ever after. And Esther remained stuck for the rest of her life in, 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 a, in a Persian palace because she did what had to be done in the most difficult of times. I'll only conclude that the, in the Targum Sheni, it gives a beautiful definition, a description of what happened. That, that at that point, he said, everybody came together. And it says that the, they chose from amongst, you can imagine how many Jews living in Shushan. It says there was 12,000 Kohanim. 12,000 Kohanim living in Shushan. I don't know, it must have been like a city like Toronto. It must have been 200,000 Jews, like a huge city. And these Kohanim took a chauffeur, it says, in the right hand, and a Sefer Torah in the left hand. And they went to every place where Jews were. And they blew the chauffeur, and they wept. And they put the sh- it came with a Sefer Torah. And the people seeing a Sefer Torah, they were visibly moved. Everybody stopped. Everybody, everybody was inspired. And in doing so, everybody came home. Everybody came home. Everybody did tshuva. And everybody was united. And the Pasheg and Aksav finishes off with incredible last five word, four words. He says, V'nodu avasana min The f- ancestors were stirred from their repose meaning this woke up Avram Yitzchak and Yaakov. When all the Jewish people did tshuva, even the Shushan Jews, even though assimilated, they did tshuva, not only did it make a difference, so to speak, it woke up Hashem, it woke up the Neshamas on high. Now the Neshamas are woken up on high. We have to wake up the Neshamas. It's not so simple. When the Neshamas got woken up on high, then they started their prayer. Because originally, you remember, Avram Yitzchak Yaakov came and they prayed, we talked about the Medrash, and Hashem said, nothing doing. And then Aliyah and Novi came running to Mardachai. But this stirred the Avot. And it stirred the Avot when the prayers started coming on heaven and on earth. So this was the most magnificent moment for the Jewish people. In the darkest of times, in the greatest of concealment, where Tzadikah has to violate herself in order to save the Jewish people, was our most magnificent moment, where everybody came together in a way, as we mentioned, unprecedented and unreplicated, on earth and in the heavens. Oh, we didn't even get to that. Now, which now there's the which three days it was, and what Mordechai did, and how everything was carried out. We're out of time, so Be'ez Hashem Yisbarach. We will continue that next week.